Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. Isaiah 9 verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those, land living, on, on those living in the land of deep darkness, light has dawned. And isn't that what Christmas is about? You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Oh, I can't wait to divide the plunder of heaven. For as in the day of Midian's defeats, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. Got those the wrong way, sorry. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amazing. Now this word was actually given to Israel while in a place of terrible darkness and despair, we're told in verse 1. Israel was once a great nation and under the reigns of King David and Solomon. But we know that after that, they turned away from God. They rebelled and they are now in Isaiah suffering enormous consequences for their rebellion. They are a divided nation. We've got Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And they are helpless at the threat of invasion of the powerful Assyrian Empire. Now, isn't that true for us? That in those moments when we rebel, when we turn from God, turn from doing things His way, and we do things our way, that we often find ourselves confronted with some form of great challenge or some form of great threat that is coming down upon us. Just like the Israelites, we can be slow to learn. And... In chapters 1 to 8 of Isaiah, the prophet actually makes a sharp demarcation between the faithful and the unfaithful. And um, between those who responded to the word of God and those who didn't, between those who were true and were false in their faith. But in nine, chapter 9 verses 1, he introduces a sharp contrast. Nevertheless... And that is an important word because it prepares for the way to follow. 
which he describes in verses 2 to 7. It prepares for a change of mood, a change from fearful gloom to no gloom at all. And this is possible only because of Isaiah's great faith in God. So despite the imminent threat of being invaded by Assyria, Isaiah fixed his eyes on the Lord. He fixed his eyes on future fulfillment. And because of that, the immediate threat was relegated to to the past. And by faith, he could see a glorious reversal that would one day be affected by God's grace. Devastation will give way to glory. And that is what God promises when we fix our eyes on him, no matter what the mountain is that we're facing. And in the Christmas carol, Joy to the World, is the line, Let earth receive her king. And that is a cry of great exaltation, triumphant joy, and it actually refers to the promise of Christ, to the birth of Christ, promised in this verse, whoops, by Isaiah. I shouldn't press the wrong button, should I? 700 years before it was fulfilled. So Isaiah prophesied this 700 years before it was fulfilled. And it was actually the prophecy, a promise of the Messiah, and it was given to the nation of Judah in the south. Now, it's really hard to imagine how they would accept that, how they would understand it at the time. Because both Israel and Judah in years to come were actually conquered and they were exiled by the enemies. So what about that word that Isaiah gave us? 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, five, six, 700 years ago. Was he just a loony? It was clearly a futuristic promise. It was futuristic in its application and it was, it was not for that time, yet it was for a time to come. It was a promise of a saviour, not just for the Israelites, but for the whole world that finds itself in a place of darkness and despair. But we are on the lucky, not lucky, the blessed side of that promise because the Saviour has come. And that's the message of Christmas. And his saving work has begun. However, the fullness of his reign is yet to come when he comes again. He, and when he does, he will usher in a kingdom like none of us have ever seen before. His rule will be one of divine universal goodness and eternal peace. And he will be above all and over all. Yay, I'm so looking forward to that. And this prophetic promise of Isaiah addresses both the outworking of his new kingdom with the Saviour's first coming and the fulfilment of it when he comes again. So let's look at it closely and let's look at the the unique and wonderful characteristics of this king that Isaiah speaks of and his reign. The first thing we see in verse 6, 6a, is the essence of his being. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. There's two parts to this verse, and both of them declare distinct truths about this king. First, he comes into the world first as a human being, a child, a baby, However, this child is more than just a human being. Jesus is a child born, but he is also the son who is given, implying a pre-existence. 
Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He is the seen of the unseen in the seen world. I just made that up. That wasn't too bad, was it? He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything. And this is the most amazing mystery of our Saviour. He is both God and man. Now, that's not to say that when he was here on earth, he gave up his divinity. He gave up his deity. He didn't. He was still God, but he chose to walk as man. He could have taken out any of the Romans at any given time just with the click, but he chose not to. In the birth of Jesus, the eternal second person of the triune God, humanity was added to deity. And that is what gets me that this God was prepared to become human. I'm pleased he did because it would be really hard to identify with and have a relationship with God up there that you know you can't see. So I'm so pleased he did. And the word a son is given inherently also heralds in the saving mission of this king. And this is the line from the cradle to the cross. You all know it, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son, the cradle, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life, the cross. And at Jesus' birth, the angel of the Lord loudly declared, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the, the Saviour, the Messiah, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. The second thing we see in verse 6b is the essence of his rule. The government will rest upon his shoulders. Now, we're going into election year, right? Have you seen it on TV? Oh, it's a, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, over your head, oh, turn, turn TV on. Anyway, we're going into election year. And in our political system, election years always bring for many people a hope of a new government that will make things better, make things better than the current one. Well, you know what? Since the fall of our first parents against the rule of God, earth itself has been under the dominions of another, Satan, whom Jesus called the ruler of this world and who Paul refers to as the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. However, that rule, with all its present darkness and despair, conflict and strife, will one day be cast down, not by election, simply by his coming. And the government of the world will finally rest on his shoulders. And on that day when the government changes hands, God's children will be revealed. That's us in all glory. All of creation will be freed from its bondage and decay and corruption and suffering. And universal peace and righteousness will prevail. I am so looking forward to that. The first coming of kingdom secures it. It secures his kingdom. But the second coming will cement it. And the good news of Christmas is that the Saviour has come and is even now preparing the earth for his rule. 
And it will come again soon. He will come again soon to establish it. Romans 8.22 says, The whole of creation has been groaning. I heard that in my spirit when we were in the sounds. The whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth until the present time. Now, I remember with one of my pregnancies, I won't say who, I was overdue and this baby would not budge and this baby had to budge because I was over it. <coughs> and so one night, Mara and I were talking about it, what we we're going to do, and we decided that we would the next day do a really good brisk walk through a forest and collect pine cones because that would do it. That would absolutely do it. And so the next day we got up and we did it with hopeful expectation. I won't tell you what happened. You know, this is the kind of hope and expectation we should have for the coming of Jesus. Because in Revelations, it says, yes, I am coming. That is his promise to you. He is coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And third in this promise, we see the essence of his character. Verse 6c, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, traditionally, kings are given names. They are what we call honorifics that exalt their majesty and their greatness. For instance, King Charles is now his majesty, head of the commonwealth, defender of the faith. These names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, uh, of our Saviour, are aspects of his nature, what he's like and what he's come to do. Now, the Saviour is our Wonderful Counselor. And Charles Spurgeon, he says, it was by a counselor that this world was ruined. So, it makes sense that the world should have a counselor to restore it if it had a counsellor to destroy it. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor who guides and directs us entirely for our good and especially for our eternal good. And his words are life itself. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That means the Bible is his, his written word as well as any we might hear him saying to us. Jesus is also mighty God. And this one, this one name defini de sorry, definitively declares the Saviour's deity. Because Isaiah goes on and uses it, that same reference to God in verse, um, chapter 10, verse 21. He says, yes, a mighty a remnant will return to the mighty God. This is talking about in the last days. And I believe we are in a time when a lot of people have fallen away, but a remnant is returning to mighty God. Matthew 1.21 says, She will have a son. This is the angel speaking to um, Joseph. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Saviour is the everlasting Father. This is not saying he is the Father, as in God the Father, although he is very much with him. In John 14, 9, he says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. 
That's why I'm pleased that Jesus came, so we can see the Father. But Jesus is the Father, though, in the sense that he is the Father of all creation, and it's, he is the nurturer of it, and he is the, the sustainer of it for all eternity. Sorry. He is also the Prince of Peace. That's another name. And in that, he is the peacemaker, the one who makes peace between man and God. John 20, 19, peace be with you. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and he said, receive my spirit. But not only is he the peacemaker, he's also the peace giver. Philippians 4, 7 says that he gives us peace that exceeds anything we could understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that is why when we find ourselves in a time of calamity, we find ourselves in a time of strife, whether it's just internal strife, whether we're in a dispute, we're having an argument with family, friends, whoever. That is why it is so important to take a step back, to rest in the Lord and with the Lord, to open his word, to seek his wisdom. And I think particularly of Proverbs, there is so much wisdom on that. If you're um, having an argument with someone, you might be at a stage where you, know, you don't, want, don't know what to do. Ask the Lord for his wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. I think of the you, um, Proverbs, it says an angry word is like fuel to a fire, but a calm word, not a calm word, it's just gone out of my head. There you go. A gentle word will calm any storm. Step back and ask the Lord for his presence. Ask his peace to come upon you so that when you then step back into that situation, you are carrying his peace, you are carrying his wisdom, and your words will bring healing, your words will bring restoration and life and love. Jesus is indeed a wonderful counsellor and with he has all authority on heaven and earth and under earth and he will bring settledness and calm to the human soul in every earthly situation simply by the breath of his life that is in us. And lastly, we see in this promise the essence of his reign. Verse 7, his government will never come to an end. And I think of the verse that says, of the increase of his government, there is no end. Once established, Christ's kingdom will never end, but only increase. And the manner of his coming will be powerful and dramatic, preceded by the messianic events we now know as the rapture. And we're all here, so um, thank you, Lord. We haven't had just had half. I won't tell you a joke. I heard a joke during the week, but I won't tell you. The tribulation period and... Uh, Armageddon. Jesus will intervene at the world's deepest, most dark, darkest and despair, the worst time. You know, we think it's bad. Well, he hasn't come. So what does that say? Don't go there. And he, when he does, he will literally put his foot down. Zechariah 12, 2 says, on that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart. We think we've had earthquakes. Oh, my gosh. Then the Lord will come and all his holy ones. 
will come with him. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name alone will be worshipped. Imagine that, the whole world on their knees worshipping one. And this cataclysmic event ushers in the millennium, the thousand year reign where Satan will be bound and the earth will be ruled by Christ with all believers in their glorified bodies. Am I looking forward to that? I won't say why, but I'm looking forward to that. And we're also told in verse 7 that he will reign with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The prince of peace will reign from the place of peace, that's Jerusalem, filling the earth with his peace. And it's hard to remit, to think what that will be like. So, but the Bible does give us some idea. So just look, let's look at a few things. Ukraine. There will be no more Ukraines. Isaiah 2, chapter 2, verse 4 says, Nation will no longer fight against nation. There will be no climate change concerns. Isaiah 35, 2, The deserts will become green as the mountains of Lebanon. The animal kingdom will be tamed. Isaiah eleven sixty seven, the wolf and the lamb will live together. Maybe my cat and the neighborhood dogs will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The lion will eat hay. Imagine that, a vegan lion. Imagine those those world, you know, those programs on TV, um, nature programs, and it's got the lion and he's stalking, and it's a bale of hay. That's just not going to look the same, is it? But anyway. And human longevity will be increased for the survivors of the tribulation. Isaiah 5.20, no longer will adults be considered old at 100. Whoa, that's going to be fun. But it doesn't end there, it just gets better because there is one grand finale. Satan will be allowed a final fling. Those during the, the, the millennium will be tested just as we have been tested. And then there comes a final wrap which you can read in um, Revelations 21. I won't read it now. All I can say is let earth receive her king. So as I conclude, can I have the band up, please? The kingdom is here now, but it is yet to come fully. However, Jesus' rule on earth is advancing, advancing spiritually. John 1, 10, 14. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. How beautiful is that? They are reborn not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or planning, but a birth that comes from God. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is establishing His rule in the hearts of those willing to surrender to Him. They are the ones who will also reign with Him in the new kingdom. <laughs> judge Judy, no, that, no, I won't be a judge. I'll just reign with Him. But anyway, <laughs> I'm really excited. I just can't imagine what this is going to be like. I just can't imagine what it's going to be like. Jesus was born physically into humanity so that you could be born spiritually into his kingdom. He was born physically into humanity so that you could be born spiritually into his kingdom. 
John 3, 3 says, Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. No one can then enter the kingdom of God without being born of the Spirit and the water. Are you willing to let the government of your life rest upon His shoulders beginning now and for all eternity? Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.